Alright, so like I said, welcome everyone to the Panic Attack with Big John. Umpteenth episode. I, I think I'm somewhere between 80 and 100 videos on YouTube and um, maybe more than that, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of them. And uh, I'm on my 14th or 15th podcast on Anchor. Uh, they're usually basically the same show with a couple exceptions. Um, tonight, I want to talk at Jez uh, about the NFL draft coming up. It's not been canceled or postponed. However, it's going to take on a different format. And then after that... I will uh, talk a wee bit about President Trump's old uh, daily press conference. Old Trumpy baby. Trumpy baby. Here, let me try drying my eye out. Man, this is... People watching me on YouTube are like, man, this guy's so ghetto. Why doesn't he prepare himself? Anyways. Just so... So emotional for the NFL draft. No. Um, so the NFL draft. Now I've got an eyelash in my eye. Oh, Lordy. Um, it's going to be done differently this year, obviously. Um, because of the coronavirus uh, outbreak. It's still going to happen over several days starting on april 23rd and i don't know how they're going to go about broadcasting uh, i always i mean i like to watch the nfl draft i mean i'm sure it will be on uh either espn or the nfl network um or both and you know it's it's always kind of cool to watch the commissioner come up to the stage and do his thing. And, uh, you know, late the last few years, they've had special guests come on and announce the player their team is drafting, like a, a veteran Hall of Famer from that team or uh, maybe a super fan that uh, has an illness and need something to cheer them up. But this year, their teams are going to be in their uh, what's called war rooms, and they are going to uh, send in their picks electronically, and uh, then it will be announced somehow. Um, so, with that, uh, there, CBSSports.com has a mock draft up. And what that is, is their experts uh, get together and just try to imitate or mock the NFL draft. Um, most of the experts are saying, this is according to CBS and some other sources I've heard, but the names you'll hear will come are coming from the CBS mock draft. I did. I wrote down their top five, and then I wrote down the 
who the Raiders are projected to select. So with the number one overall pick, the Cincinnati Bengals, Bengals, not Bengals, the band. The Bengals or Bungles, or sometimes they're called. Bengals are going to take LSU quarterback Joe Burrows. Uh, he was the national champion QB, set all sorts of records in college football for passing. Uh, this guy was third string at Ohio State, was going to be the Ohio State starting quarterback this year, but then a five-star recruit transferred from the University of Georgia to Ohio State, and he was a sophomore with a lot of upside, so Ohio State uh, basically named him starting quarterback um, upon transfer, and so Burroughs transferred to LSU and became their starting quarterback and was just uh, amazing. Uh, the thing that worries me is he's got one year of starting experience in college football, so how is he going to do in the NFL? Um, I don't know what the Bengals have done with Andy Dalton. If they're going to sit him behind Andy Dalton or what. Um, or if he shows enough talent in the preseason, if they're just going to throw him out, throw Joe Burrows out there and let him start. Uh, that will be interesting to see. In fact, uh, I'm not going to waste a Google. Maybe I'll Google real quick. What uh, Andy Dalton is doing with the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe they traded him. I'm sorry, my slow computer. Zach Taylor on keeping Andy Dalton with a rookie QB. There's a lot of unknowns. So let's see what Zach Taylor says. Zach Taylor on keeping Andy QP, Andy Dalton with rookie QB. So it's basically, this is from uh, Bleacher Reports. Head coach Zach Taylor remain non-committal on veteran quarterback Andy Dalton. Zach Taylor on any benefit of keeping Dalton while having a rookie QB. I think there's a lot of unknowns right now on on what the offseason is going to look like. Repeats the team, keeping all options on the table. The Bengals finished 2019 with the worst record. 2-14, and 14, earning the number one pick. Zach Taylor on what's left to learn about Joe Burrow slash top prospects. There's not much left to uncover. Bengals coach Zach Taylor on whether teams have tried to trade the number one pick 
I've got no comment on that one. Zach Taylor said, Zach Taylor said he thinks the draft board will be finalized the day before the draft. Again, we feel really good about where we're at right now. Uh, Bengals starting QB since they took him in the second round in 2011's draft. 32-year-old, still under contract the, through next season and is owed $17.5 million with a $17.7 million cap hit per sport track. Dalton's future came under fire when he was benched in late October. Uh, they benched him for rookie Ryan Finley, who evidently didn't work out if they're planning on drafting Joe Burrow. Uh, let's see here. So, I think... I think the Bengals could likely keep Dalton in case they need veteran leadership at quarterback uh, to get Burrow's feet wet. Um, that would be the smart thing to do. That would be the old-fashioned NFL thing to do. But um, more often now than not, rookie quarterbacks are, especially with, especially with the arm talent of Joe Burrow, are thrown right in there. So, and Burrow has a lot of talent and very football smart. Number two, Chase Young, defensive end, Ohio State, is projected to go to the Washington Redskins. Uh, I'm disappointed that Chase didn't stay for his senior year like he said he would. Um, he got himself into a little bit of trouble. I think some family members borrowed money from someone to go to a, a bowl game to watch him play. And this is one of the NCAA's outdated rules about uh, players and money and things like that. Um, for all intents and purposes, Chase Young is a ace student, uh, first-class human being. Uh, Ohio State personally suspended him one game <clears throat> while the NCAA investigated, and then he was able to play versus Penn State. So it was a smart move of the Buckeyes to do their own suspension and keep the NCAA from suspending Chase uh, in what was a crucial game. And they really needed his pass rushing in that game. He's a long, tall, fast pass rusher. Uh, he can get outside the, the offensive tackle. Tight ends can't block him. Uh, running backs can't block him. And he's a disruptor. He's in on every single play. He's always motoring after the quarterback. So, could be a good pickup for the Redskins. Then we have Jeff Okuda. Okuda, that's how you say it. Jeff Okuda, cornerback, Ohio State, going to Detroit. The Detroit Lions at number three. Um... At least this is projected. 
Jeff Okuda, man, I hate to see Ohio State lose all these defensive players. Um, but Okuda was one of Ohio State's shutdown guys this year. He's an outstanding player. I don't know. Um, doesn't seem to get into much trouble, though. I think he might have. Might have had to sit out one game for like a targeting penalty or something stupid. Uh, then we have Jedrick Wills, offensive lineman from Alabama, going to the New York Jets at number four. Or no, pardon me, the New York Giants at number four. Jedrick Wills, offensive lineman, Bama, New York Giants, number four, according to CBS. This is um, a good pick for them because they have a franchise future quarterback. They have a franchise future running back. There's questionability at their wide receiver position, but their quarterback makes everyone around him better. Uh, they have a franchise tight end also. So... They need somebody to block for these guys, though. They need somebody to block for um, whoever their quarterback is. I can't think of his name right now. Um, and, of course, they have the most exciting, one of the most exciting running backs in football, Saquon Barkley. So they need somebody to block for those guys. Then you have Taya Tugo, Taga Ovola, the quarterback from Alabama poor guy what a name um, but outstanding quarterback led Alabama to national championship if I'm thinking correctly anyways and he's a class act human being he got hurt this year at Alabama and had to sit out uh, the latter half of the season uh, but Alabama didn't really miss a beat they kept on going with their backup quarterback. Um, with this Tagovola, Taga, Tag O Via Viola, Violo, Teo, uh, let's call him Teo. Uh, good human being. Could be a good pickup for the Dolphins, who have been terrible since Dan Marino retired. They've had a couple flashes of goodness. Uh, they've had a couple good running backs like um, Ricky Will. Yeah, Ricky Williams was there for a while, and made an impact. Uh, running back they had a few years ago, Brown was rather good. Um, then they traded a running back to Philly. Um, so. But they, they've had, you know, flashes of, eh, we could be good. But they just haven't been able to get it together as a franchise. And that's like the least intimidating franchise name in the NFL, the Dolphins. Maybe they should think about changing that. <laughs> I don't know. So, let's get to my Raiders. The Raiders. The autumn wind blows strong. The autumn wind is a raider. The only team in the NFL that I know of that has a poem 
written about them. There may be others, but none are as famous as that one. And the Raiders, are they have two first-round picks. They own the 12th pick. And then when they traded Khalil Mack, which broke my heart, but it, I guess it turned out to work for the Raiders. Um, they have the number 23 pick this year from the Chicago Bears. Um, last year they had the Bears' first-round draft pick, and then this year they get another first-round draft pick from the Bears. So at number 12, they're, dra they're projected to draft C.D. Lamb, wide receiver from Oklahoma. His first name is spelled C-E-E-D-E-E. -E Capital C-E-E, -E, capital D-E-E. -E. C.D. Lamb, wide out from Oklahoma. He's a playmaker. In college, he averaged 20-plus yards per reception. So this is the speed burner the Raiders need to take the top off the defense. They have good possession-wide receivers like Hunter Renfro and Terrell Williams or Terrell Williams, Tyrell Williams, however you say it. Uh, and then they have a great tight end in Waller. Waller is going to be uh, another Antonio Gates. He's, gonna be, he's the guy that can catch the ball in the end zone. Uh, they also have another tight end who can uh, do a little more blocking than catching. But he has shown to be able to catch uh, the jump ball in the end zone. They also... Signed veteran, and I mean veteran, tight end Jason Witten from the Cowboys. It would be interesting to see if he makes the team. If the Raiders are going to keep three tight ends, then yeah. But um, I think Witten is there to teach Waller how to be a bl better blocker. And is there to teach uh, their other tight end how to be a better receiver. So, Witten is there for veteran leadership at the tight end position. Teach these two. Waller is basically a rookie. He just got his life together uh, and then to where he can live up to his potential. The other one was a true rookie last year. Um, then, at the 23rd pick, the Raiders are being projected to take cornerback from TCU... Jeff Gladney. Uh, TCU is a team that is just, in a college team that is just speed, speed, speed everywhere you go. Um, so this Jeff Gladney is fast, physical, and he's a playmaker when he's around the ball. So that sounds like a Raider cornerback to me. Uh, going back to, you know, Willie Brown and uh, uh, McDaniel when I was a Raider fan. Um, the Raiders always have that one corner that just can wreak havoc with you. Um, Charles Woodson was that guy for a long time. And then he was that guy in uh, Green Bay. And then he came back to the Raiders and was a field coach player. Uh, in the defensive backfield for the Raiders. Um, 
control. The Raiders are stocking up for this uh, move to Las Vegas. They are getting getting ready, getting players in there uh, that are going to be big in the future. And, you know, Mike Maylock, their general manager, is has always said that, you know, he wants to build a team through the draft and then bring in free agents that are in the middle of their careers that are that have a lot of upside and a lot of years to give um uh, one thing al davis was always known for was taking in veteran players <coughs> even when free agency wasn't that big a deal in the nfl and teams would just cut players Like, up until the 90s, when Marcus Allen and a few other players sued the NFL for the right to be free agents, once you were drafted by a team, you were on that team for life. And if you had a contract dispute, you just didn't play, or the team said enough and will cut you, um, and... Other than that, you had to wait on a team to cut a player for them to be a free agent. So that was how the NFL used to used to be. And now, you know, of course, players sign, you know, a rookie contract, which is kind of, you know, a lot of money. But, you know, there are certain limitations because <coughs> guys were getting drafted, getting ridiculous contracts for their potential and then just saying okay I got my guaranteed money uh yeah if I play well I get some bonuses but yeah I'll just take the guarantee and half but half butt it the rest of the way and so uh a lot of things changed uh you got like I said they have their rookie contract that lasts a few years then they can become a free agent or designated franchise player, uh, which means the team has the right to match any offer they get from another team. And if the match works, the player can accept it or not. But if he doesn't accept it, then he just doesn't play and doesn't get paid. Um, but th this is interesting, you know, um, with what is going to happen with this draft because of the virus outbreak. Uh, the players, you know, they used to all sit there and the top guys, projected top guys, had a special section. And they would get the call from the team, you're our draft pick. And then the co or the uh, commissioner would announce them and they'd come up on stage and get a jersey and a hat and all these great things and so this year is going to be totally different uh going to be very interesting to see how it plays out i'm sure i'll watch at least the first round to see what the raiders do um, they definitely need a speedy wide receiver who can take the top off a of defense and 
you know, get those underneath guys open, but also get get the ball the heck down the field. I mean, Derek Carr is one step above a game manager. He, a few years ago, was candidate for NFL MVP, for crying out loud, and was having an amazing season. He had a great season last year, but there was nobody for him to throw to. You know, you had some good young receivers, but you didn't have a playmaker. So the Raiders are rumored to maybe be signing a free agent speed wide receiver. And they're also going to draft a speedy wide receiver in the draft. Uh, And then, of course, on defense, they need help at linebacker. Um, Vontez Perfect is not the guy. Um, The Raiders have a lot of young speed at linebacker. But they're lacking, you know, just real, real talent. So, I want to see where they go with that. Um, and they need help at defensive back. They trade, they gave away or traded away uh, Garon Conley to the Tech or the yeah the Texans, which was odd. Uh, he's he was a shutdown playmaker corner. And Gunter Cunningham just couldn't figure out how to use him in his defense. And Gunter keeps saying, well, this defense is about the scheme. It's about schemes. And, well, your schemes better learn what the hell halftime adjustments are. Because sometimes in the first half, the Raiders' defense played pretty good. Then the other team would figure out the scheme. And Gunter wouldn't change anything in the second half. And then teams started scoring. And the Raiders kept doing the same crap on defense. So, there needs to be some things done on defense. Getting talent in there is one. And they have one of the most talented defensive lines in football right now. Um, They're kind of like... They're not Khalil Mack. But they're just one step behind Khalil Mack type players. Their production picked up this year, more sacks and things like that. So the Raiders are going to be interesting, and they're building for the future. Uh, John Gruden still has five years left on his 10-year, $100 million deal. Um, Derek Carr is still the franchise. Uh, You know, there's rumors that the Raiders are going to try to take a quarterback in this draft. I don't see that happening. Um, All you hear John Gruden talk about and all you hear Matt Maylock talk about is how great Derek Carr is. And he is great. He is great. Uh, He's not a game manager, but he's had to play that role because that's all he's had to work with wide receiver-wise once the Raiders traded... um, His two best targets. One to the Cowboys and one to the Ravens. Um, Crabtree and whoever the hell the guy was from Alabama that was supposed to be a franchise wide receiver. Um, And he just got butterfingers and 
nerves and kept dropping the ball. So, moving right along. And the must-see TV of the President Trump press conferences. The media, what a shocker, as President Trump has handled this crisis well, and as 60% of the American people feel he has handled this well, and as his approval ratings have increased, the media is trying to cause dissension amongst the Trump team. What they... In my, what my opinion uh, they are doing, and I share these press conferences uh, from Mike DeWine and from President Trump, DeWine, the governor of Ohio, where I live. Um, I share them every day on my Facebook so my friends can see what's really going on and if they watch it or not, well, it's kind of up to them. But the media wants you to get their opinion of what the president and his staff say and they want to ask argumentative leading questions so they can get their sound bite and trump shuts them down quickly uh very abruptly other people on his team have a different way of dealing with it but they too shut the media down when the media is trying to bait them in a certain direction. Uh, this happened today with Secretary Pompeo. Um, first of all, uh, Trump wanted Pompeo to come out and talk. And then he wanted to let Pompeo get back to his work. Um, so Pompeo came out and talked about the number of Americans the State Department has rescued, so to speak, from countries that are on the travel ban list. So if uh, an American was on vacation or on a, a church mission trip to a lot of countries now that are on the uh, list of uh, places we don't accept travelers from, the State Department has to go through its embassy in that country, work with that country's government, get these people to an airport and on a U.S. American plane. I don't know if it's a military plane or commercial or both, but they have to get these people from, the United, from wherever they are back to the United States because as the virus breaks out in other countries, Americans want to be at home where they can get the best medicine and be with their families. So uh, the State Department's been bringing Americans back uh, and has done a very good job, as far as I know, as far as Pompeo says. Um, I made a note here. Reporters tried to trap... Pompeo into saying uh, there would be possible retaliations against China for not um, sharing information on the coronavirus soon enough and not 
telling the truth. We don't think we don't think China is being truthful about the number of corona cases in their country. And also they tried to bait him into uh, is there going to be a punishment against the World Health Organization because the World Health Organization, sometimes known as the WHO or the WHO, this is a, a United Nations um, organization. The, the, the World Health Organization, the WHO, didn't like Trump's travel ban on China. They didn't press China for um, accurate reporting on the COVID or Corona or China or Wuhan, whatever we're calling it now, virus. And the United States gives a lot of money to the WHO. And so when the WHO doesn't do its job, President Trump is saying maybe we shouldn't give so much to the WHO. Maybe we should keep that money for ourselves and deal with things ourselves. And Pompeo kind of agreed with him on that at some points. And the media was pushing him to say, well, what's the retaliation going to be against China for letting this virus get out of hand? What's the retaliation going to be against the World Health Organization? And Pompeo very professionally and politely shut this down by saying, now is not the time for that. Now is the time to work together. Um, that's, I'm paraphrasing him, but that's basically what he said. Um, another thing that's come out is there was a, a memorandum, an internal memo from a... Getting my stogie going here. Um, from a, a member of uh, one of the bureaucracies. And I, I didn't make notes of this, but the media again is trying to say Trump did not act fast enough on this. That this memo was sent out about a virus going wild in China back in November. And they're trying to lead Trump and bait him with, well, if you would have jumped on this in November, would things have been better for America? Trump, before the question and answers even started and the media started their crap, he came out right out and said that the number of projected American deaths in the models is getting lower. Now it is in the 61,000 person range. Trump said originally the estimate estimated number of American deaths had they done had he done nothing would have been 2.5 million. I thought I heard 4 million and in this initial model that uh, I believe a British researcher came up with. And with the stay-at-home orders, uh, recommendations, 
uh, the social distancing recommendations, the governors of several states, almost all of them now, shutting down restaurants and bars. All of that has led to this forecast of 61,000 deaths. And it's been coming down, and the media has not been giving Trump credit for this, for his operation working and making a plan up on the fly where no plan existed. Two previous presidents had been warned that these pandemics were going to be the, the thing of the future. We're going to be the wars of the future. <coughs> and my boy, George W. Bush, had the SARS virus and did not draw up a plan for the future, did not increase the stockpiles of medicine and other equipment hospitals need. Obama administration had the swine flu, the bird flu, and Ebola. That's three. I had four fingers up. There's only three. They had three outbreaks. They took from the strategic stockpile of emergency protective equipment, which are the gowns and the face masks and the mask masks and the N95 masks. Here are mask, there are mask, E-I-E-I-O masks. Okay. They took from that, and anybody that said, we need, um, we need masks, they just gave it to them. Anybody that said, we need ventilators, they just gave it to them. But they never replenished the stockpile. So, Trump is not only making more and more of these masks that doctors and nurses desperately need, as well as ventilators. We're going to have more ventilators than what we need come May, as according to projections and models. Um, and we're going to be able to replace the what was taken from the strategic stockpile and build it up for the future with medicines, ventilators, protective equipment, personal protective equipment, PPE, as it's called sometimes. And also, we're going to be able to help other countries that are in need. So once we've taken care of the 50 states and what their need is, we'll be able to share with other countries. So that's what Trump is doing. Um, the World Health Organization, mind you, the WHO, the WHO, okay, you're going to hear it called by a lot of different names, but anytime you hear WHO or the WHO, they're not talking about the band, the WHO, they're talking about the World Health Organization. They didn't like Trump's travel ban on China. They didn't push China for accurate information on this outbreak. They are not pushing back on China for reopening these wet markets, which what wet markets are, for those of you that are new to this, 
sorry for the silence, those of you on the podcast. I was getting my stogie stoked up. The um, wet markets. This is coming from Bill Richards, who is referred to as Stephen Crowder's half-Asian lawyer. He's yeah, There's a, another YouTuber. You can look him up, Stephen Crowder. Uh, Crowder's C-R-O-W-D-E-R. And he has a half-Asian lawyer that he keeps in his studio to, I guess, guide him into not getting sued or something. But half-Asian lawyer Bill Richards said wet markets are called that because they're wet with the blood of animals. Now, the media is trying to spin it into, oh no, at the end of the day, they hose the ground down and hose away the blood. That's why they're called wet markets, because the ground is wet when the market closes. No, they're called wet markets because you have live animals, dead animals, and the, I guess you could say butcher slaughters the animal, cuts it up in front of you, uh, you know, gives you your, you know, bat wings and bat meat and uh, gives Ozzy Osbourne the head of the bat. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, they butcher up the dog and the cat and they, they do it all on one table. They butcher this one up. It's wet with the blood from that critter that was butchered then they move that one out bring the next one in and the table's still wet with the blood and this and that it's very unsanitary by any standard and these are not just in rural outreaches of china wuhan is a huge province in china this is not some outlying you know rural, you know, backward place. It's a very big, very populated area. And this these wet markets even exist in the major cities in China. Now, I've heard um, after this that, you know, after this corona thing, China has outlawed the, the, the cell and eating of dogs and cats for uh for eating uh uh, i don't know don't really care uh to me a dog or a cat is a pet but it's their culture they can do whatever the heck they want to do um they probably think we're silly for petting the food like why are these people following their food around picking up its poop Uh, you know so, I mean, to each their own, but <coughs> China is trying to become, and they are, a first world power, but yet they still have these wet markets that are wet with blood from various animals being cut up on the same cutting board. Um, so... Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have these outbreaks um, unless the 
unless somebody over there learned, teaches them how to cook their food to 180 degrees. I mean, I'll set, let's send them all, let's sign everyone in China, what, couple billion meat thermometers so they can cook their food to the proper temperature instead of ingesting diseased, bloody meat. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I mean, this is why, you know, Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, um, well, Singapore is its own, it does its own thing. It's a city state, but they're free of everything. Um, but Taiwan should be free. Hong Kong should be set free because they're living in the 21st century. And they want to be recognized. And China still treats Hong Kong as a little little brother, a little sister, uh, whatever you want to call it. You know, stepchild. And eventually, uh, I believe in 20 years or 40 years, Hong Kong goes back into the full-on oppression or possession, pardon me, of China. Taiwan, China has refused to recognize their status as an independent state, but they're an island just off the coast of China that wants its independence from China. Not, don't want to get into those details, but the thing of it is, back to my original point, uh, the media wants to now use this memo that was circulated. Uh, it was an inner office memo at one of the um, federal health departments or health agencies, I believe. And Trump said he wasn't briefed on this in November, um, and he was not. He did not see this memo, and no, nobody's come forward to say that, say otherwise. Um, this has been going on for about the last week. And they keep trying to trap him into, well, why didn't you act sooner? He blatantly tells them, hey, look, I acted as soon as I, I found out. I banned travel from China. And you guys in the media called me racist for it. Uh, other politicians called me racist for doing that. And he goes on to say, you know, the World Health Organization, or the WHO, or the WHO, however you want to call it, uh, criticized him for that. And he was ahead of all these people. He put into effect the guidelines, which were taken as um, verse and scripture in a way, they were taken as commandments. They were taken as orders to stay at home and social social distance, as they call it, standing six feet apart. Because uh, originally, it was said that if you were within six feet of someone and they breathed on you, that the germs from their their nose can carry onto you and into your body onto your clothing, and you'll get coronavirus. So Trump was ahead of the curve on all of these things, and the press is just not able to, just can't stand the fact that uh, the 
projected death toll in these models keeps going down. Um, now here in Ohio, we have a couple counties that have been hit very hard. One is Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga. Uh, I, we say it Cuyahoga. The other is Mahoning. Per capita, Mahoning has the most cases and most deaths. And that's the what some people refer to as the Rust Belt. Very poor, uh, po poverty-stricken portion of the United States. Um, they're they're getting hit bad, and you know a lot of focus is on New York and California, uh, Louisiana, and. The focus needs to shift to some of these other areas. Now, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are starting to show. Uptakes, upswings in the number of cases. So as New York seems to be leveling off, I think more attention will shift to these other places. And that's what Trump is going to keep doing. It's what his advisors are going to keep doing. Um, that's what FEMA, the... Um, what's he called? The Surgeon General, Dr. Fight, Fight, Dr. Fauci, Dr. FICA, that's, I don't know. Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks are going to keep the attention rolling and the help rolling out to wherever the virus picks up. This is mid-April, and they're saying that this is going to pick up steam, and uh, the next two weeks are going to be the worst two weeks. That's what the models are projecting, and they're putting more and more data, so the models are getting... Uh, more and more accurate. The somewhat good news is the number of projected deaths from the last models was uh, between 140,000 and 200,000. Now the models are projecting 61,000 American deaths. One is one too many. But when you see that dropping number because Americans are pulling together and Trump gave the American people such credit for coming together and following the guidelines and social distancing and keeping themselves uh, healthy as much as possible. Um, I know, you know I'm an essential worker. I drive other people around for a living um, I've been ever since this ever since the shit got real as I like to put it um, I started taking more vitamins um, I, I've taken vitamin zinc for a long time and it's proven to be one of the best vitamins along with azithromycin well azithromycin is a prescription drug and uh Hydroxychloroquine mixed that tri uh, trivecta 
of those three helps a lot. But I, I went online and researched um, herbs that kill viruses. And I'm not, I'm not a doctor by any stretch. But I take, you know, a set of herbs that I read that are good for fighting viruses. And I take multivitamins twice a day. I take these herbal supplements twice a day um, to try and stay ahead of the curve. Um, you know, I've started wearing a mask when I'm out in public. Um, well, when I'm out driving, usually when I'm out in public, I'm not very close to people. So I've always social distanced and I wish to gosh, I hope to gosh after this is over that the six foot space between people freaking stays because it so an annoys me when I'm at a store and the person behind me just has to get nice and snug. Get the hell away from me. Virus or no virus. I don't want y'all all up on top of me. I don't even know you. You know? You know you've been I know you've been in Walmart or the grocery store and you got that one person that always has to just be nice and, and cuddly with you in line and has to stand in your personal space. Here's, you can't see it, but stretch your arms straight out from your shoulders. That's your personal space. Your fingertips should touch the per the only thing that can touch the person near you. Everyone should just stay an arm's length apart. So my arm's length and your arm's length that's two arm lengths apart. Use your imagination. Stay the hell off of... Quit freaking standing on top of people in line at the store. This is what I'm saying. You know who you are. You close personal space people. Remember the episode of Seinfeld, The Close Talker? If not, give it YouTube it or Google it. You'll find it. He's a bit of a close talker. You know, that person has to be right there in your face when they're talking to you. You know, I can hear you from five feet away. Back the hell up. Back that ass up. You know? But anyway, so... That's what we got. You know, the media trying to bait the Trump team with leading argumentative questions. Trying to create division in, in the Trump household, so to speak. Fauci, Burks, Pence, uh, the Surgeon General, the head of the U.S. Health Department, they're a team. And uh, they're working together nicely. And America is better for it. And, you know, we're going to get through this because we're Americans and we come together and help each other. Even if that means staying away from each other. So with that, I will end this hour-long video podcast and say good night. God bless you. Uh, happy Passover to my Jewish friends. And uh, happy Holy Week to my Christian friends. And pray for one another. Pray that God gives us victory over this virus. And I thank you all. Good night and God bless you.